This is Founder Coffee. Every few weeks, I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For this 43rd episode, I talked to Randy Reyes, co-founder and CEO of Outgrow, a leading platform for adding calculators, quizzes, and other interactive elements to your site. Prior to Outgrow, Randy and his co-founder had a marketplace for mobile app development. As the sales team needed to be able to make quick price estimates, they built a calculator. Lots of people liked what they had built and wanted to use it in their sites, uh, after which Outgrow was born. We talk about how to recruit the right people, how to select the right features to work on, the benefits of meditation and stretching, and why doing something for just three minutes per day might be the right way to start building a lasting habit. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi, Randy. It's great to have you on Founder Coffee. It's great to be here. So you are a co-founder of uh, Outgrow. Uh, for those who don't know yet what you guys do, what do you do? Sure. So we're basically a software tool used predominantly by marketers to create a wide range of interactive content. And by that, I mean uh, specific tools to help with uh, customer acquisition, lead generation, and custom and qualifying leads. So things like you know ROI calculators, e-commerce product recommendation tools, um, outcome quizzes, uh, tests and polls. And this, those are kind of the main examples of things you can build uh, on our software, including, of course, chatbots as well. Yeah, I, I imagine this has a lot of um, applications and you're reaching a lot of different types of companies. But if you would have to pick like the main application and the main type of company on your software, what would that be? Yeah, that's a really interesting question um, because um, we do have a pr- pretty broad range of, of marketers. So the, the main use users are digital marketers and content marketers. Um, but within digital and content marketers, the types of businesses using us uh, are, I would say our top few industries are going to be financial services, healthcare, uh, SaaS, like computer SaaS businesses, uh, computer software SaaS businesses, and mm-hmm. then um, e-commerce companies and uh, health and wellness um, are popular, like fitness uh, and, uh, you know, what type of yoga should I do? Things like this are popular. And um, I would say those are the top ones. Publishing users and, uh, and pharmaceuticals use as well. Um, but, uh, and then of course, agencies for, uh, for like how much does it cost to build a mobile app or, uh, you know, what type of, how should you sp- allocate your marketing spend across different uh, advertising channels? And those are common things we see in uh, built by agencies. Yeah. But but uh, what strikes me is that the first one you mentioned is uh, the financial services industry. How, how come? Yeah. So financial services use our calculators a lot. Um, so uh, because a lot of times people are thinking, should I refinance my mortgage? Uh, should I... Uh, should I refinance my student loan? Um, uh, what interest rate can I get on my mortgage? Um, all these types of questions, they require calculators because you need to see, okay, what's your credit score? Um, you know, what's your income? Uh, how much? Uh, and then based on that, you can say, okay, well, how much debt you can get? And then how, what's the size of the home you can buy? And then you can say, okay, now based on all this information, this is the type of mortgage you can end up getting. This is the mm-hmm. rate you'll end up getting on the mortgage. And this is your monthly payment. And so calculators become a really good fit 
for um, for financial services, um, mortgages, and then investing and retirement planning. Like, how much money should I save each year if I want to retire by the time I'm 60? And so that type of calculator is a very common one you see people build as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I see it mentioned as the first thing on your side is calculators, and only then it says quizzes, etc. Well, then lower on your side, you're focusing more on on quizzes for a publishing industry. Um, do I need yeah. to see this more as something you put on your site or on your blog? Um, oh, that's a very good question. So the way we like to think about it is um, there's going to be a few cornerstone pieces that you're going to put on the main site, right? So an ROI calculator for SaaS, they usually put that on their main site next to pricing mm-hmm. uh, or on, on the, uh, or one of, one of their key pages. Uh, and then you might have an agency might have like, how much does it cost to build a mobile app? That's going to be on their main site. So you'll have a few content pieces that you really put that are main, you know, your core, a security scanner for a security company is going to be core. And then you have um, interesting content, which is going to complement the blog post. Like how much do you know about sales software? How much do you know about lead qualification? Things like this, those might complement blog posts um, or might be social things you engage with on social or on forums, but they're not going to be your top five or top three content pieces, which are going to be on your main site. Uh, yeah. It could be on the, the main the, the homepage or on one of one of your pages linked to directly from the homepage that's separate from the blog. Got it. Uh, how is it that you came to this idea? Like, were you... Yeah. Were you in financial so, services before in an agency mm-hmm. or what was the problem you were facing? So that's, that's a really good question. So um, basically, um, we were uh, in, the, in the early 2010s, um, the app store started to take off. And I'm sure you probably remember, uh, it was a very uh, interesting time because everyone needed mobile apps, but uh, there wasn't like any expert in mobile app development. Uh, it was a very new thing. Um, and you know, most people can tell by 2011 that, you know, the mobile app store was going to become like pretty significant uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the future of, of software and technology. And then the challenge is like, how much does it cost to build a mobile app? How long does it take? Uh, it was it was very unclear at that time. And there's a lot of uncertainty around it. And so one of the things we, we basically had a marketplace for people to to develop mobile apps. And so we, we would look at our salespeople and they constantly had this problem of every single person that would come to us. Um, would be like, oh, like we're trying to build this. And it, there wasn't a lot of um, standards around how to do things. Um, everything was very dark. You know, it's probably, probably like building websites, you know, 20 or 15 years before that. Um, it's kind of the same thing that happened kind of in mobile at that time. And so we said, you know what? Our salespeople keep on having to give like this whole education process to every new person um, that they spoke to. Maybe we can just create a calculator that gives people a sense of how much it costs to build a mobile app. Mm-hmm. Um, and the challenge, of course, as you know, is that when you're building a mobile app, the price varies based on the features and based on the geography you want your development team to be in. Um, and so we said, okay, obviously we're not going to be able in a few minutes in a calculator to give you an exact estimate and exact time and materials of what you're doing because you're not going to give us a full proper specification document. So, um, so we said, you know what, people, these entrepreneurs with these creative ideas, they're not they're not, you know, project managers who are writing these long spec docs. Like, come, let's come up with a calculator and try to get us, you know, around 80% of the way there and clearly say it's an estimate. So that's what we did. We built this calculator for that use case. And it turned out to be 
such a great lead gen source for us um, that we spun it off into a into a software tool for other people to build. This is their their acquisition source. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how we how we got into this game yeah. um, of of you know intelligent lead gen strategy. Yeah, but it was really around calculators at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we that's why like people look at our calculator and it's like, oh, why is it? It's a very powerful calculator, and you can build these charts and mortgage calculators and things on it. Um, but the reason is because you know our inig- initial thought was, oh, like if you're trying to scope out uh, a mobile app, how can we make that easy to do? Um, and then over time, you know, when you have financial math, you need uh, you need certain functions. Um, you need logarithms and certain things like this to make it easier and you need power functions. Um, and so we're trying to think, okay, how can we make this easy for a marketer to build um, this calculator without requiring any design or tech and hopefully not much math skills yeah. to kind of build it out. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and uh, it looks like you have a sort of dual background, partly in, in finance and partly in software engineering and you've been... Yeah. You've been switching between the two worlds a bit. So this, I guess, sort of brings that together. That's true, actually. Um, it wasn't kind of the, the, the and it wasn't like, oh, Algro is made to, to bring these two together. It was more like the way we, I kind of stumbled upon it because, you mm-hmm. know, of, of what happened to the calculator. But you're right that a lot of the times um, it, it's the math-based and finance-based, especially our finance customers, obviously, it's going to be finance. And, and the marketing part. Um, but then um, but then even our non-financial customers, um, the ones that are building ROI calculators or the ones that are trying to build uh, projections, you know, if you're, if you're, for example, a lot of software hosting companies, they come in and the scoping out like a full cost for hosting and all the different sub products you might buy additional to hosting. Uh, there's a lot of math that goes into it. And so um, so it is a mix of, you know, finance and math and technology and marketing, but I think that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. How, how far, far back does your uh, sort of entrepreneurial journey go? Is this something you uh, stumbled into when you were, uh, I see here in, uh, in 2012, being more in, in private equity, or was it something that started way earlier, uh, maybe oh, before yeah. you even studied engineering? That's a great, I actually really like that question um, because it's kind of how do you define it? I think, you know, it just depends on how you define the word entrepreneurial. I think 2012 was when there's a first kind of, I would say, more real company um, than, you know, there's other uh, other types of companies. So I would say I worked at a, at a startup. I worked at quite a few startups before that, though. I worked at a uh, a basically... Uh, demand gen company that run for Google ads uh, before that I worked, at, which was a startup. Um, and then the, I worked at a startup that, that, um, that sold like a new before, you know, square and revel and those there, you, you obviously you had like regular credit card terminals. And so mm-hmm. I worked at a startup that had like a more cost effective uh, credit card terminal that you would actually point of sale for, for retail outlets uh, focused mainly on restaurants so I worked at quite a few startups um, and that kind of got me into the game, I would say. And then, um, and then working in 
private equity is cool or, or VC or any kind of investing environment um, or even consulting, you basically get to see a lot of companies. And I think that's the, the main advantage of it. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just private equity. So I think it's the ability to see many companies um, that helps you get insights into the challenges companies face and uh, how you how you might be able to come up with something that helps them. Um, so I think those those it's a mix of working at a bunch of startups, then working in PE and seeing, okay, how can how, what's, what are the challenges that they're facing? And the third one was I was also very, very lucky, the timing of like the mobile apps were just launched. And so there was no expert. So it was like relatively easy to to kind of oh say if I'm gonna dive really deep into this, mm-hmm. um, then then I can be one of the better people and, and have more knowledge and understanding than most other people given that, you know, everyone's starting from zero. And so that gives you it's a very unique time, I think. It's like Google ads in 2000 and in the early 2000s or Facebook ads, you know, it's just very new and no one really knows how it works. So yeah. that you get an advantage when you, when you get lucky and you end up riding a trend. Right. Yeah. It's a, sort of like a, a thing in full movement. And when you are in there at that moment and you start doing some cool stuff, then uh, right. that can really take off. Yeah. 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 Uh, where did you grow up? Pennsylvania or... Um, so Pennsylvania, I was in Pennsylvania for, for a while, um, but before that I was in, uh, uh, well, after that I was in New York and then Southern California and then NorCal, uh, but I grew up in uh, Southern California. Ah, okay. So uh, do I have to mention Los Angeles area or? Yeah, yeah. So basically I, I was in Los Angeles area uh, as an adult, uh, but I grew up just south of Los Angeles, uh, kind of Orange County, if you know, it's maybe, just maybe yeah. 30, 40 minutes south of LA. Yeah. And it's, uh, are your parents entrepreneurs or what, what is it that they, they do exactly? Um, parents. Um, so he kind of both math, math people in terms of math and engineering math type people, type people. Yeah. yeah, math <laughs> engineering type people. Um, so I guess, uh, that's kind of their, but they focus, I would say my dad is kind of similar to me in the sense that he, he spent most of his career kind of on the intersection of kind of engineering and business. Um, he started mm-hmm. off on the engineering side and then he got into the, the biz- business working in, in kind of logistics, but um, the engineering part of logistics because of kind of the refrigeration um, of uh, the, how, to, how to maintain uh, kind of pharmaceutical and grocery products at, at the right temperature when, when they're being transported. And so there's the whole electrical engineering part of, of how do you maintain, uh, how do you cool them at the right temperature and things like this. So I think he, he focused a lot on that side. Uh, my, my mom is more of a math science person, uh, more of like an educator and a teacher type. Yeah. yeah. So you could see that you kind of uh, went to the footsteps of your dad, but then in a, in a different time or? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, a, it's an interesting balance um, of what I kind of took from you know, each of them. I would say, yeah, I think you know, both my parents had an impact on... Um, on me and I definitely think uh, you know I did kind of follow in my dad's footsteps obviously I, I'm not in logistics um, but um, but we do have logistics companies who build you know um, estimators on outgrow and I get to work with them on, on the math yeah. side and it's kind of cool so so I think you know there is in a, some sort of funny way I do get to, some exposure to that yeah well, what what were sort of the um... At the moment, you started getting into startups and um, and all this uh, mobile app development and and slowly starting outgrow. Who were the people that inspired you at that moment where you 
were uh, reading the books and the blogs and the, all this kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, I had a few mentors, I would say, who um, who I had known and just kind of randomly through, I guess, events who convinced, mm -hmm. who kind of encouraged me to um, to stay active and to to get out there and go to events and not uh, uh, and not just kind of spend all your time in your apartment um, and kind of try to interact. As, and so that was a very helpful kind of advice to get, I think, because um, during that period of time, I, I learned a lot about different companies, um, but I also kind of got, uh, got mentors to, to guide me. Uh, so I think there, there's a wide range of different mentors, um, that, uh, that I, uh, that I met just in person, um, people that, uh, that the, your audience might know, I would say, um, there, there's a startup called Yodel that, you know, one of their co-founders was, was a very close mentor. Um, mm -hmm. and there, um, and so he was very helpful. Um, his name is, uh, Kartik, uh, Hosenegger. And so he was helpful, uh, especially kind of, uh, helping, just encouraging us in the early days. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm very close to my co-founder and we both encourage each other a lot and we push each other. Um, and then um, Adam Grant was a, was a professor of mine when I was in college, and he was helpful, uh, especially um, validating, uh, you know, kind of helping us. You know, what I'm gonna help you, uh, you know, with introductions um, to relevant people, and having these validations, I think, uh, from people of, of like a high caliber is helpful, especially for the early customers, because the early customers are like, you don't have like a big set of case studies, you know, these mm -hmm. are the early ones. And so it's basically a personal thing. Like your first customers are like, I trust you as a person uh, because the traditional, like send me all the case studies and all the examples and all the metrics and all the ROI math. It's like, you don't have that. Um, and so I think that a personal connection is, yeah. uh, is critical. And so I think those are all like very important early, early types. Definitely. Uh, who was your first customer? Who was it for, for, for which business? For Outgrow. Uh, for Outgrow, our first customers, um, well, okay. So Outgrow, our first customers were, were companies from our, our marketplace business. Yeah. Um, so they oh, basically had, yeah. So um, they those were a bit easier, I would have, to be honest, because you already have a set of customers that trust you and you've worked with. So we bought mm -hmm. them on. So they're basically companies that had um, like a telemedicine application, uh, payments, uh, online payments, uh, peer to, for peer-to-peer, -peer, um, hospitality for hospitality operations management, um, things like this. They, they, they were from the, the, the marketplace. They basically have been using us to find software teams and work on software teams. And then they come on to, mm -hmm. uh, and then it's kind of easier to get them onto the outgo business. Um, and then we built off of that. Yeah. Okay. But who was then your, your, your very first customer that you were referring to earlier? Like the, um, the, the, very, the very first early ones. Yeah. 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 So, um, I would say the, in, in the first business, in the, in the marketplace business, the first few, so there was, uh, a guy who, uh, we met in an event and my co-founder and I, who was building a, a mobile dating application. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, we met him, we met an event, another guy, um, who was building, who had an idea for for a nursing application, an application for nurses? Uh, he we met through through an introduction, um, through through an introduction, uh, and then 
the other person. Um, so we, another person, we also met an event. He was building a um, an iPad application for people with uh, with a very specific disease that causes them to. Uh, it makes it hard to kind of write, learn how to write, and uh, because of because of this, it's a specific syndrome called Fox G two um, that his daughter had, and so he had been exposed to it and saw the difficulties learning how to write and uh, and kind of how to te- teach uh, someone who has these disabilities kind of this specific disability, and so he basically wanted to create an iPad app that auto corrects and adjusts for this type of disability. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very specific use case, but it's really it was a really interesting experience to do that back at that time when the iPad was still literally had just launched. Yeah, yeah, I remember that as well. That was a yeah. a big time. I was working in um, in a, a marketing consultancy for the pharma industry, and all of a sudden, like the whole scene was exploding. All the the reps had to have uh, iPads, and we had to deliver stuff for that. It was a huge new industry that that started that moment. That was that was super cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it it, it must have been cool to be in the in in the middle of that. Um, what what is exactly your ambition uh, with Outgrow? Where do you want to take this? Uh, what kind of company do you want to make it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a kind of a, a deep, very deep question, uh, and. So I think, you know, this kind of uh, where we sit in, in this kind of helping companies better acquire customers and kind of also build trust with customers. So it's not just about acquiring them. It's also about helping them, um, I think, is a, is a really interesting uh, strategy that more companies are going to continue to do um, this ability. I think it's, it's a unique ability to say, you know what, before you pay us anything, um, we're going to build trust with you. We're going to help you in some way. We might teach you mm-hmm. how you can improve your sales. We might teach you how you can improve your marketing. We might give you some information. Um, and um, I think this kind of experience of, of building trust with customers before they even pay you uh, is critical in this type of world where customers have so many options. It's kind of overwhelming um, to see, oh, like, what is the difference between you know, you know, you know, Salesforce and um, versus you know X Y Z, and I think that kind of challenge is uh, is a common is a common question. You know, decision makers have, and the more you can do to build that trust, I think is key. So we kind of sit in that middle, and where we want to take it is to continue to empower marketers to do more um, to to kind of build more personalized flows that are educational, that are interesting. Um, that uh, are and that help obviously help the company better convert uh, better convert people from uh, from uh, from kind of interest or um, or visitor to uh, to buyer. So those are the things we focus on, and so we're basically uh, building uh, the tool set to help the marketers uh, improve these yeah these aspects. Uh, do do you see yourself uh, leading this company for another two years, five years, ten years, and where do you want to take it? Yeah, um, so I say, you know, um, I really enjoy it. Uh, I really enjoy um, kind of. Um, obviously, it's a different. It's every year is different. Uh, I think even every six months is different. Um, but I kind of enjoy moving and changing as uh, as the 
company evolves, as our customers evolve, as the team evolves, and um, and even as the existing team members. So it's not just the new people, um, but it's also the existing team members as they grow and they um, you know want new challenges. Um, there's mm-hmm. just so many interesting things uh, to uh, to learn from, and it's it's a bit different from the early days of um, of you know very scrappy early days where. Um, we kind of trying to say, okay, how can I get this off the ground? Uh, which is a, which is a which is a challenge. Um, it, it's a different problem, but I enjoy it. So for me, yeah. it's, uh, I, I enjoy what I'm doing, um, and so you know, I do see myself continuing to to you know operate and run it for uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, in terms of number of years, uh, the exact number of years, I I'm not the type of person who says you know I'm going to do this for for four years and then after four years this is what's going to happen um, because there's so many um, uncertainty there's so many variables and uncertainties that can develop over time um, mm-hmm. but for the foreseeable future I, I, I do see myself continuing to yeah operate. what what is it that you currently do at the company well so um, I kind of focus on uh, a few things so. Uh, HR, like recruiting, is, is important. So I do spend quite a bit of time uh, thinking about um, that, um, especially kind of not just who we need now, but who we should, who we, who we, who we will need um, mm-hmm. in the next six months to a year. So I think recruiting spent quite a bit of time on recruiting, um, and then quite a bit of time on product. Um, so what what can we do to to improve the product, and how we can make you know the biggest challenge for us now is kind of when you have customers across so many. Uh, so many industries um, using the product, they have such a, the volume of request, feature requests that we get is, is insane. Uh, and, and so it becomes very hard and it's very overwhelming to kind of say, okay, how do we best prioritize this? Um, and then the next challenge is, even though, you know, a lot of people love, love our product because it's so powerful, um, there is the challenge for the new customers who just come on. We also want to make it easy for them. So, you know, the people who have been with us from the early days, they've seen the product grow and evolve. And so from them, for their standpoint, it's like, oh, um, everything makes sense because they've seen the features add over time. Uh, mm-hmm. But for, for a new person, how can we keep the product um, straightforward, right? Um, yeah. So we, we don't want people to come onto the tool and be like, oh, just because, you know, this is for math PhDs. Um, but there are functionality features where people who have PhDs will use us to create certain research kind of like certain reports and certain things. So we, we do have this capability, but that doesn't mean, you know, most marketers aren't math majors. And so we need to make sure that it's very intuitive and easy for them um, when they're creating uh, whatever they're creating with us, even, even if it's, even if it's just a chatbot. We want to make it easy for them while having this power. And this, this kind of balance is, is a challenge. So we really think about product from that standpoint. And like, so we spent quite a bit of time on this uh, as yeah. well. Um, and then the third, uh, the third aspect um, is that I spend time on is a kind of dif- differs by the week. Um, so there might be, um, you know, the marketing team might have a podcast like this and say, hey, can you, can you jump on this uh, podcast? Uh, so it can be helping out marketing. Uh, it could be, um, you know, I do, you know, attend quite a bit of events and that obviously has been put on hold. But so that would be something that, you know, I, I had used to do. And now I, I have, uh, well, I guess everyone in the world has stopped doing events, but, you know, so that, that has, that has gone down. Um, so yeah. that, that varies. And sometimes I get pulled into, uh, 
I get pulled in to be like, oh, there's a this is there's a customer that um, that I that I have a relationship with or that I might know, and so I get pulled into uh, a sales uh, a sales uh, deal or sales uh, uh, discussion. But so it's 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 mainly product and HR that you spend. Those are the two things that are consistent. Yeah, those are consistent, and then there's the other ones. The other kind of twenty percent is uh, is variable. Yeah. Yeah, what you said about the prioritization was interesting. Um, the that you have a lot of features and a lot of different uh, types of customers on your software, and that you use you, you also on the other hand need to keep it uh, simple. Do you, do you have um, uh, how, how does the system look like that you guys have built at Outcrow for yeah. prioritizing features and seeing how they will fit in? How much weight do you, for instance, give to um, new customers versus existing customers mm-hmm. um, between different types of customers uh, yeah. and between different types of um, features, like it could be small improvements or it could be big features. Mm-hmm. How do you go about yeah. all these things? Yeah, this is this is kind of a, is a big question that we constantly try to think of through. Uh, and I think, you know, everyone kind of has their own way of doing this. What we try to look at is first you look at okay, the volume of requests. So, um, Per request, so obviously we get, there's a large volume of different requests, but there's also a repeated requests, right? Mm-hmm. So we do have these types of requests where companies are like, oh, like, can I have like five charts that appear at different times during the content piece? Um, so we get these types of requests, but then we also know that if you can have so many different charts that are loading throughout the content piece, the loading, how does that impact the loading speed? How does that impact the performance of if you have an ad unit that's sending someone to this? this content piece and you have all these charts, how does that impact it? You know, isn't it better just to have a few charts than to kind of go overboard? Um, so there's all these different challenges in terms of the flexibility you want to give someone. Uh, and so, but also making it easy. Uh, so I think what we try to do is first say, okay, is this something that a lot of customers have requested? And so that's kind of the thing that everyone probably looks at. So we mm-hmm. look at that and then we say, sure. if we were to implement this, how would this impact our trial experience, like the new user experience, would it, would it, that's number one. And number two, how will this impact conversion rates and ads? So uh, and, and on, on ads or conversion rates on organic traffic yeah, the, to this content piece. So things that, you know, people, some people want to do, you know, very like high def videos on each page. And for a content piece that's based on, if you're doing it for ads, then that's not a good idea because these heavy videos aren't going to load as well, especially on mobile ads. And so you probably don't want to do that. But if you're doing it on your blog and it's an organic traffic coming in and they're, they're you know, you already built up, up certain trust with them, then those videos can make sense. Um, and so from our standpoint, it's like, do we want to limit them or do we not want to limit them? And does that make sense with our core focus of like digital marketers and content marketers? And those are kind of our two main users. Obviously, as you probably know, you have people who use your product in ways you didn't anticipate. Um, so we do have people who come in and they have like a full e-commerce product recommendation engine with our tool, but then they also have a wide range of other flows that they were able to build with our software. So they might come with certain requests around uh, that that we've seen. And so then we have to make a decision. Do we have enough e-commerce companies with this specific request around how to handle abandoned carts? Um, do we get enough of that for us to say, you know, we're going to do this? And so we, we kind of really have to think about those three things. It's like, do we get a lot of those requests? Um, does it, how would it impact the the speed and the reliability of the software? Does it keep it, uh, and, and then the ease of use? 
And then the third is, um, does it align with kind of the core sets of things that we are built for? And so those are the top three things. And there will be certain times where we say, you know what, we didn't originally anticipate this use case, but it's a really cool use case. And we think, um, and we think it's, it's, the, it's the right thing for us to add. Yeah. And then we'll do that. So. And, and how do these three factors combine into one? Is it that you first look at the volume and then decide about the other two? Or do, yeah. and, and how do they combine into one number, let's say? Or is it, is it like a few things you look at together? I mean, yeah. it's different to, to rank if you cannot bring it back to one number, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it definitely starts with that, uh, with, with, the, with the number, how many, the number of customers asking for something. Um, so if you be a lot of customers saying, you know, they want to be able, so for example, like we had a lot, our first version of our product, we didn't have payments and we had a lot of customers because we said, you know, most, our use case was that you want to build trust with someone, right. Before you charge them. And, and so we didn't have payments. And then very early on, people are like, no, 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 we want to do payments. And so then we added payment. We, we, they basically came with very good use cases for payments. And then, um, and then people are like, oh, we don't want just charges. We want billing. We want, we want to be able to put someone on a subscription. So then we added that option. Uh, we kind of integrate with, with billing some companies and, and payment companies. And then people said, oh, we, like, we want to say after someone reaches the results page, we want to show them a result. But we want to show them a PDF. Um, so they get the results page for free. If they want to get a detailed PDF report, they pay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was something we were like, oh, like a full PDF report. Now, then, are we, are we going to build a full PDF builder report? And so we we held off on this um, because we were like, oh, we don't have that many of those requests. And then as we got more and more of the PDF requests, then we thought, okay, um, we're starting to see why people want to do that. They want to build the trust. You see the results page. If you like the the overview results and you want to see a deeper dive into how you can improve, you know, your SEO or your blog security or your company's you know software security or whatever. Um, then you charge for the PDF and kind of, kind of made sense. So we added that. And then over time, people are like, oh, can we add all these things to the, the PDF? And then we were like, okay, wait, wait, wait. We can go, this, there's a balance of like how much functionality we're going to add to each thing based on, um, based on kind of what's the right, what's, what's the time we're, on, we're in and then how complicated it's going to be. So it's definitely first, you know, volume of requests and then timing, like, is this the right time for us? Because we, we already have other things we're working on. And mm-hmm. so that's why we delayed the kind of, you know, our PDF option. And then, and then over time we kind of added in, uh, you know, our PDF feature now is, is pretty good, but I'm sure, you know, um, a company that only focuses on PDF and that's their whole thing is going to be better than us at it uh, right now, at least. And so th- there's certain things you're going to have to make a decision. We, we have to, we have to make decisions on it's like, okay, well, th- these are things we're going to, integrate with and these are things we're going to build and and that's another aspect of the decision that that we make is like this is a really cool use case we're seeing it a lot but it doesn't make sense for us to rebuild it from scratch so let's let's plug in yeah let's integrate with tools that have this and, and, but do you have any um any set out decision processes around this or are you just looking at all these things ad hoc and so uh, we we in terms of like uh, like a formula to come up with the like the prioritization you have a formula or or a way of deciding or um, I mean I understand all the factors that go into yeah. to the to the equation uh, yeah. but if you have such a massive volume of feature requests um, then you must somehow or not maybe um, yeah. build out a system for this yeah well I mean you know we have this 
the, 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 we have a system for the for the ranking based mm-hmm. on based on volume. So we have a, we have a we have a natural sorting based on volume. So the volume of the volume of requests of a specific feature request. So like feature X has been requested you know twelve times. So once we have that and then we have that sorted, the next part of choosing from the the ones that have the most uh, options is more of a discussion based on a certain set of variables. Um, and so we kind of that's that's a discussion within the product team. It's not mm-hmm. like it's it, there's no like seven after there is that there's numbers on that part then the next part is more discussion uh on certain yeah. set of criteria that, that i mentioned yeah so got it's it. not like formulaic at the, after that point got it got it. it it sounds like uh you enjoy the the product side a lot of the companies is, is that the 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 main skill you bring or or is that what gives you energy um that does give me a lot of energy um I do enjoy um, I do enjoy thinking through um, thinking through cool use cases of an applications um, that also brings me a lot of joy. Like just sometimes, um, I think the number one thing that brings me joy is seeing seeing a company use the product in ways we didn't anticipate and having like really really cool use cases that mm-hmm. that can. So I think that's really cool. Like there's companies that have like uh, pretty complex. Um, of, uh, flows that they build out with our tool and um, they do things in ways like, oh, we're like, oh, you didn't realize you can do that. Um, but then they run some like custom script and some custom code here and there. And then they have this flow that's really cool um, for, for example, like uh, dog subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually a lot of complexity around, you know, how many dogs and how many cats you have and like what types of foods you should get them based on uh, their allergies. And there's so many variables that, you know, we, we don't have a lot of experience in this, in this, in, in, you know, in, in uh, dog food, in the dog food market. Um, but then you see customers come in and they have this crazy flow that they were able to build out with a product. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, that I really enjoy. I just really enjoy watching, seeing what they come, come out with. And, um, and then sometimes we look at that. That's another thing that, you know, we say, Oh, this is a really cool use case. Um, but because it's our product isn't built for it. They had to do a lot of work to get, get that to work. Uh, and so then we can make a decision and say, okay, well, is that other, if other people also want this, how could we make that easier? So that would be a request, that would be something that they didn't ask for. Uh, yeah. But then we see and we say, you know what, let's maybe make this easier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like, things like people coming up, coming into the flow and then they want to integrate, you know, with the, like the, someone comes through the flow and then they want to schedule a call. Uh, and then they have this call software that the company uses. And then the company uses, uh, has obviously has a CRM. So they're like, okay, well, we want to run this process for our lead routing. You're on this process for our call scheduling. You want to run this process for this. And we want everything to happen natively. And so how can we make that a smooth flow so that if your key thing isn't just acquiring a lead, but is scheduling a call or, um, or adding someone, assigning someone to the right lead, those are all things that will kind of, uh, make really easy to do without requiring a lot of work through our cool. integration and stuff. Yeah, cool. Well, what is it that exactly that's apart from um, building product that outgrow and, and doing HR and stuff uh, that it is that you like to do? Like, what do you do when you're not working? What what gives um, you energy outside of work? Yeah, yeah. So I like to um, I like to play sports. Um, so mainly um, basketball and tennis. Um, mm-hmm. I like to walk, um, go on hikes, and then uh, I I do a lot of dance, uh, so like hip hop and uh, and so oh, awesome. yeah. So it's uh, a lot of physical stuff outside of work. 
Yeah, yeah. It's my way to kind of uh, have some balance because I spend a lot of time sitting on a computer as um, as I'm sure you've probably, uh, you probably do some similar or most most people in tech uh, do spend more time in front of the computer than um, than I guess we were supposed to based on evolution. I don't think this was... <laughs> so we have to... I, at least for me, I have to find ways to um, to push myself to kind of uh, you know be active and uh, not just yeah. sit, in, sit in front of a computer the whole day. Yeah. Do you live alone, or do you have a wife and kids, or a girlfriend? Or um, I I live with uh, I have, well I have I have a two bedroom with and I live I live with my brother. Um, I live with your brother. Cool. Yeah. So it is pretty cool. Um, I don't have wife and kids. No, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, yet. No, I'm so not going to get them. Or yeah. um, well, I mean, you know, I think um, I, as I said, with one, it's going to be just. It's all about finding the right person uh, and both right. being at the right stage uh, at that time. So um, sure. I think those are the most important things. And uh, the startup world does suck a lot of time out of you, but uh, you know, for the right person, you have to you know dedicate. Um, you know, you have to dedicate time for it. And, and so I think, uh, especially as, as the company, uh, the, the early days, I think it's hard to start a relationship uh, and, and be successful at it. Um, but I think um, after the first few years, um, if you get, once your head is a bit above the water, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's doable. You just need yeah, to find the right person. For sure. Yeah. You're based in San Francisco right now? Yes. Yes, San yeah. Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, as I understand it, uh, you are in San Francisco, but a, a big part of the company is also in Delhi and India, right? Yeah, exactly. So we um, we are we are pretty pretty international team. Um, so uh, obviously we have a strong U.S. presence, uh, we have India presence, and then we have a European presence as well. Oh, um, where are you based in Europe? Europe, uh, Prague, and Berlin. Prague and Berlin. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's developers or product team or? Um, we have some uh, sales, customer success, and then uh, creative, creative marketing. Oh, okay. Cool. And then, and, and the, the San Francisco Delhi connection, uh, if I've seen it well, it's because your co-founder and you um, both study together in Pennsylvania. Good job. You got it. That's a good pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 but he, he, he then uh, is, is now back in Delhi. I guess you have a, a, a big part of the development team there. Uh, and yeah. You, you yourself moved moved from uh, from the East Coast to uh, back to the West Coast. Correct, yeah. We were on the East Coast for, for quite a bit. Uh, Philly mainly and then New York for a while um, and then moved out West. Um, both great coasts. Uh, you know, one's a bit warmer than the other, but uh, yeah. but they're both very good coasts. Yeah. So, I don't I don't hate on the East Coast or the West Coast. I like I like I enjoyed. I had a really good experience on both sides. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Slowly wrapping up. Um, sure. um, going to some some learnings. Uh, what's the the latest good book you've read, and why did you choose to read it? Or or don't huh. read books. It's possible as well. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I do, uh, I do. I, the latest thing that I've read that I think is um, th- th- relevant for business or personal or uh, both, 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 both is fine. Okay, um, I would say for business, um, I do like um, a lot of the core foundational stuff that kind of lasts throughout time. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of the Peter Drucker stuff, uh, managing oneself. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his concepts. I think because they are, they kind of stand the test of time, those kind of management principles and business principles. Mm-hmm. Um, on the personal side, um, well, I guess there's a lot of different, it depends on, it depends on, I think what people are going through. Um, but for me, uh, a lot of, a lot of the things I like to uh, read about or learn about are ways to um, kind of stay healthy and stay active. Um, so uh, I'll read things about like the, like Ariana Huffington has a book about, you know, her experience going through kind of, o- kind of overwork, overworking herself. And um, I think the book is called thrive, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty, that's a pretty good kind of, it's pretty good for, for people who work hard um, and which is, which is a lot of the people in the tech industry and many other industries as well. Um, so, you know, she's, she's, she's in uh, kind of publishing. And so I think it's good. Uh, it's a good kind of um, lens into how the importance of balance and the importance of making sure that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be that you're sleeping four hours a day. It doesn't need to be that all you do uh, is work. Um, and, uh, you know, there, you know, you can, still um you know do well and 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 while while sleeping and while enjoying your time at yeah. the same time so i think that's a good i think it's a good balance for for a lot of um i guess across all industries but i feel especially across entrepreneurs who mm-hmm. uh, who i think overdo it including myself sometimes mm-hmm. over uh, spend too much time working what's what's the main thing you changed after you read the book so i um, I like to, I try, you know, uh, meditating and, uh, and, and, and I do quite a bit of stretching as well, especially kind of, uh, uh in the mornings. Um, so the, one of the key things I, I, I used to kind of always say, Oh, I'll just do a three minute meditation in the morning. And that was kind of what I used to do. I was like three minutes. Cause then I can't say no to a three minute meditation. Like I made it just so simple to start with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the reason I did that was because the first 20 minute meditations, I was like, oh, 20 minutes, like, that's such a big part of the morning. And I don't think that's a good way to start. And so I, and I ended up not continuing to do it. So then I did three minutes. After I read the book, I was like, you know what, let me try doing 10 minutes. Uh, and so I think I did three minutes for long enough that I stuck with 10 minutes. So I started to do 10 minute meditation in the morning. And then the other thing I try to do is I try to notice, um, try to be a bit more aware of my emotional state. Um, so I think it's the, that awareness is sometimes um, hard to kind of see, okay, how is my body, what is my body doing right now? Is, why am my body reacting a certain way? Um, and kind of that, I try, to, I try to be more cognizant of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's another thing. And then, um, and then yes, I just, I, I make sure I'm stretching uh, and keeping myself active because that also is good for my mental health. Yeah. What is a stretch? Your your neck muscles or the whole body or? Um, I like stretching. I like stretching my whole body. Um, I like the hips. Uh, I like to do kind of the hip the hip flexors, um, and then and then upper back, uh, and then neck. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's kind of there's like a yoga, like you know common common stuff that you do in yoga. Yeah, I I also started stretching um, two years ago or something. I don't oh, remember. Great. I had this. Yeah, it's it's it was because everything was stuck. My whole neck and back. Yeah. Uh, I had to go to the physiotherapist, 
and do a lot of sessions and they learn me how to stretch to keep it away and I'm still doing it uh, just about every yeah. morning. That's great. Uh, especially That's great. when it starts tensing up. Um, yeah, yeah. It keeps all the headaches away as well. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start getting tension headache from it. And... Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, for me, you know, there's so many knots that can come up like just kind of uh, in, in the upper back and the neck, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I kind of try to optimize my seat as well, how I sit and how I work. Um, but then, you know, we spend so much time in that one position, um, uh, and which is, it's kind of crazy to think, uh, how much, how many hours we probably spend on, on, on the chair that you, you know, that we work on. Um, so yeah, I think switching is, is really anything that makes you feel better. I think, you know, people should try it. And I, I, I think for me, it was starting with, with something that's achievable. You know, starting with a three minute is, is achievable. So maybe start doing a one minute, you know, three minute meditation, one minute stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think people can say four minutes. I think they, anyone can do that, you know, but so once you start there, um, then it gives you, uh, it gives you something to start on. And I think the cool thing now is that most people who are working from home, um, they have that commute time that they've saved, you know, driving back and forth to work. Um, and they should just assume that, you know, they still have that commute time, but instead of commuting and driving, they should spend it experimenting it doesn't have to be these things that we're doing they can do other things that work for them that make them happy that they enjoy mm-hmm. um but uh, but i think that's a good way for people to start just to try to say, okay i'm going to try doing something uh, you know if my commute was 10 minutes then i'm going to try doing something maybe say five minutes and get five minutes bonus sleep five minutes trying something yeah no, no i i like the idea of doing uh trend three minutes of something i i think i also read about it in the book uh, atomic habits that sometimes oh just- yes Yes, sort of a that's habit, a good book but, as well. Yeah, by by doing uh, just a, a few minutes, and then once you uh, once once you get going, you can you can start doing more. I think Headspace um, yeah uh, recommends you to do ten minutes of meditation. Of course, twenty minutes is is more. <laughs> yeah, if yeah, you can yeah. do ten yeah. minutes, that's something you can easily uh, keep up with. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the most important thing with meditation is that it's not that like. Uh, success in meditation doesn't mean your mind never gets distracted success in meditation means you notice your mind getting distracted your mind will get distracted but you just ability to kind of notice it and bring it back mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it takes you a while to notice it sometimes it doesn't. so i think the the main thing is going into meditation not thinking like oh like i have to achieve success and success means i never get distracted and so 10 minute meditation is very hard never to get distracted especially in, in the beginning yeah. So I think that it's not about, oh, I have to be successful, I have to be successful in meditation. And then just the thought of I have to be successful in meditation makes you fail or like makes you get distracted. And I don't like the concept of success or failure meditation. So I think that's something that a lot of people, um, that's why I think at least the people, a lot of like people I've spoken to that doesn't stick, um, just mm-hmm. they don't, don't stick with it. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I, I recommend trying, trying to stick with it by, by, by starting with three minutes uh, and then build yourself up hopefully to to 10 but but start at three for for a while before you move up yeah that's good advice uh talking about good advice last question um if if you were to start over with outcrow um what what would you do differently i was to start over with outgrow what would i do differently um well, there's a lot of things that technically I think we could have done. If knowing where the product is going to be today, I think we could have done a lot of things technically to make it easier for us to go on that flow. But I think that's something every every single software company would say. Um, um, 
what else would I do differently? I would say there, there are a lot of things, especially in the first, uh, the first company that we learned off for the second, you know, cause you learn things for each, from each stage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the key things are going to be obviously the hiring, the mis- hiring mistakes are very costly early on. Uh, and so, um, the, I mean, everyone, I think, I don't know, a lot of people make this mistake, but should think having um, a, good, a process to uh, interview people, um, not just being like, not just focusing only on intelligence. Um, and so it's not just about like, intelligence is only one piece. Uh, so I think doing that more early on, um, proper recruiting processes, proper reference checks. Um, I think, you know, the early days, because we didn't have, especially the first company, we didn't have no hiring experience. So it was just like, oh, like, do we like the person? Um, but do you like the person is very different from uh, a good, you know, so there, there's liking, there's intelligence, and there's a third component, which is discipline and dedication. Mm-hmm. And so you can like someone, they can be intelligent, but if they don't have discipline and dedication for the specific thing you're doing, they might be disciplined and dedicated to, to basketball or to something else, but not to what you're doing. Um, and if they don't have that, that passion or the driver, that, that discipline um, for what you're doing, then, then it's not going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that third component, um, I think we just didn't, I, I don't know if we appreciate it, we didn't include it. We, you know, we just thought like, wow, this person's smart and they're fun and we enjoy, you know, grabbing a beer or, or just hanging out or whatever, you know, um, if, if, if that's not sufficient. Uh, so I think going back, um, starting from the beginning, having that third component as part of the process, uh, recruiting process, would be uh, would be amazing because then you save a lot of time and energy and, and you, you improve a lot of your recruitment process. But yeah, I would say there's, I mean, there's probably so many things I would do differently, but that's just one, that one thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I can I can totally imagine. Hiring mistakes are some of the the, the worst you can make, uh, uh, especially early on when when you're just a small team, but also later Agreed. on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially later on, like any any senior hire is important, no matter when, no matter what time the company's in. And then the first hires are just super critical. And they also like the first hire might lead go on to help bring in a few more people, and so and then that whole function or department that, that that's under that person ends up having that becomes part of the DNA of that whole function. So, you know, you want to make sure it's kind of like you're, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, um, the nine month phase, uh, during pregnancy, you know, those are very formative, formative phase. It's very sensitive. Um, I don't know if that's a great analogy, but I, I did like it's kind of a sensitive time period. It's a sensitive yeah. time period. It's important. It's a, um, I understand. I mean, maybe maybe it is maybe it is a good analogy, but like it, it is it is a sensitive time period. You want to make sure you do you take care of it and you're delicate and you kind of help get it to to a phase where where the company can be successful. So, yeah. so it's not just a selection; it's also in uh, in onboarding uh, employees oh, yeah. in the right way. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, there's so many things. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you again for being on Founder Coffee, Randy. Uh, it was really great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. This was the, one of the most kind of in detailed and, and enjoyable kind of podcasts I've been on. I, I really like the, the types of questions you ask. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.